Hello and welcome. This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dyke Andrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement where we set out to find the answers that everyone is asking. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. And today we are talking to Zach and Amy Wyrock about all things family structure and discipline. So Zach and Amy, tell us who you are and about your family. We're Zach and Amy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> no, I am uh, on staff at Christ Community Chapel as the executive pastor of Strategy and Vision, and Amy and I have been married for 17 years. And we have five kids from ages 15 all the way down to three. That's why you're here. We feel like you guys got all the wisdom. <laughs> we definitely have the experience. <laughs> um, here's the question. What would you say that your parenting style is, and what's the mentality behind your parenting style? I think I would call our parenting style intentional, gospel-centered parenting. And maybe the reason I'd say intentional would be, I think you, for a lot of parents, it would be easy to not make a plan and to just react as you're dealing with different issues with your kids. And everybody has issues with their kids. Um, And for us, we would say we try to plan ahead. We think of what our goal is in the end, and then we talk about it and make plans together so that we're always on the same page. And I do think like a lot of people... Um, you guys are going to laugh when I say this, but if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. <laughs> and it's true in parenting. Yeah, and by gospel-centered, we just mean that uh, maybe two things. One is that our overall goal of our parenting is to point our kids to Jesus, that we see their primary problem as that they are at odds with God and their primary need is to be reconciled to Him. And then in some ways, we view parenting as a process of handing them off to Jesus. I mean, they already belong to Jesus, but... When you bring your kid home from the hospital um, or adopt them into your family, you become their primary uh, person of trust. And over time, we want to migrate that off of us and and on to Jesus. And can you give us an example of what that would look like in an everyday situation? Yeah, discipline is probably the easiest one. Yeah, it is. Do you want to talk about how we discipline? Yeah, I'd say, so we start discipline really early in our family. As soon as you can tell your kids no, we would start discipline. And we always introduce the gospel right away. So the younger they are, we will talk about, this is sin. So you didn't share or you hit, and this is sin, and sin separates you from God. And we kind of, we train ourselves at first, but we're also training them to like point their hearts to Jesus to see you actually need Jesus, and this is why. Because it's easy as you get to be an adult to think you have everything on your own. Mm -hmm. And so our goal as parents is to show them their need for Jesus as we're disciplining. Yeah, so we would have uh, an 18-month-old in a separate room, an 18-month-old who's maybe hit another kid. And we would separate them into another room and sit down and talk with them about uh, that their, their primary sin is not against the kid they hit. It's against God who made that kid, who values that kid, who in whose image that kid is made, that they're at odds with God, they're going to face his judgment, that there was once a little boy who was 18 months old and never hit. His name was Jesus. And he didn't hit so that when he went to the cross, he could take this penalty for their sin and that their only hope of avoiding God's judgment is that they would give their lives to Jesus. So uh, oftentimes people will say, well, how much of that do they understand when they're eight, 18 <laughs> months old? I was just going to ask, so you yeah. use that lingo with an 18-year-old. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we pretty start much verbatim really young. Okay. And, and we would say, well, two things. One is, I don't think you know how much they retain. I really mm-hmm. don't. I, I don't think you know. You think about your own childhood. I don't know if the moments that were significant to you, if the people around you knew they were significant, right, shaping. But also we would say we're training ourselves. Mm-hmm. We want to respond to sin with gospel. We want uh, the morality we're calling them to to be rooted in the nature and character of God. So connecting these things is is as much about 
the rhythm we're trying to enforce yeah. on ourselves as parents as it is on our kids. Yeah, and when you're talking about discipline, you know, you can't take your own heart out of the situation like we have sin in our hearts. So as parents, if we're not training ourselves into a good habit of talking about the gospel and being calm in the way that we react and having a plan, then not only are we disciplining differently as husband and wife, but also we are going to discipline out of anger or frustration mm-hmm. or selfishness and not do it at all because we don't have a good habit. Yeah, in Galatians 6, uh, in Galatians 6, Paul says, uh, you know, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that which you're also going to reap. And we just believe that it's our job to sow consistently yeah. gospel presentation to our kids and entrust that through the Holy Spirit, we, we will reap children who may not embrace the gospel. Only, only God can make Christians, but who at least understand it. Um, and even if they reject it, are knowingly uh, rejecting it, which I think is important. Well, how how does that message change when it's a different offense? Like maybe not hitting, maybe whining or not eating yeah. or throwing their food. You know, some of these other things that an 18-month-year-old would do yeah, for 18-month-old. It, it does change. I mean, part of the reason is why the thing is wrong, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when a kid doesn't share, this is one of my favorites, is when a kid doesn't share, you know, we will say to them, who does that belong to, mm-hmm. right? Well, it belongs to Jesus. And he shares with you. Like the only mm-hmm. reason you have it is because he's given it to you. So if he shares it with you, how then will you not also share it? So it's a, it's not just saying to them sharing is good and not sharing is bad, which probably every home says, but rooting it in uh, who God has been to us. So we try to find the gospel angle. I don't think we invent it. I don't think yeah. we're being overly creative. I just think we we try to find the gospel angle. So if you're whining, we'll talk about gratitude. Like mm-hmm. I've had the kids before make a list of all the things God has given them yeah. that are good and then say, okay, there's like 25 things over here. There's one thing you're whining about over here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do you think this is the proper attitude? We always try to focus on the heart. And I think if we, even if you think about older kids, so we have two teenagers in our house, um, our oldest can deal with disrespect. So then we talk about authority and the authority that God's given us, and that's the heart issue. It's not just the way that he speaks. It's the way that he is thinking about authority and the authority that God's given him in his life. So. Yeah, I think as a parent, you have to be careful you don't make yourself the point. So yeah. the, it isn't, you won't be disrespectful to me, right? Right, Because eventually you go away, and then you just, you're replaced by a boss or a spouse. or a, mm-hmm. So uh, it is primarily helping them to see about their own relationship to God, and then the universal element, I think as a parent, it can be hard not to take offense yeah. <laughs> at what your kids do and then respond almost as a peer, you know, out of right. anger. And and there are times we tap out. I mean, there are times right, where- Right, where we can tell one of us is frustrated and we're like, hey, let me handle this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we try, never, this we try never to discipline out of anger. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that the heart of the discipline stays the same. Yeah. Do the consequences stay the same from kid to kid? I think it changes on the kids. So, I mean, I'm trying to think. So we have- something that we've done recently is one of our kids doesn't handle emotions as well, doesn't describe his emotions as well. And so sin will come out of that. So we've started using the feelings wheel, which is so helpful. So this good. is like, I mean, we've been doing it for like two days. By the way, men who can't talk about your feelings, so this one kid just being able to show the feelings wheel and get to the heart of the issue and talk about what are you really feeling because it's always coming out as anger, but it's not always what you're trying mm-hmm. to get across. And so it's been really helpful. So we haven't had to do that with our other kids because they are really in touch with their emotions. Huh. So that's one of the ways that we'd handle Yeah, But in that case, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, heart motives matter, right? So like sometimes in, in this particular kid's instance, He's sinning because he doesn't know how to express himself. 
And if you can figure that out, it's like mm-hmm. you can discipline. I'm not saying we wouldn't discipline them. It's just more of like, hey, we're going to actually aim at what what's mm-hmm. really going on here, yeah. right? And, uh, and, and versus a kid who responds out of anger, and that's a totally different mm-hmm. thing. They don't have a problem expressing their emotions. They're just having a trouble, having a problem filtering their emotions. Yeah. Or, so it's not one size fits all. And also, you know, if our kid is lazy, for example, we might, uh, the discipline might be, you're going to do some jobs around the house. Mm-hmm. So right. you're going to learn that laziness always leads to more work, not less work. And we're going to talk about that. And so we're pretty creative with our discipline. <laughs> we, we don't feel the need to do a one size uh, fits all approach. But we do always agree on what it is. So we're both always on the same page, which is incredibly helpful. So the kids are always getting the same answer from both of us. But you're trying so. to have the consequence match what the sin issue is, yes. what they're struggling with. So yes. not a blanketed, hey, go to your room. It's, hey, you're struggling with this, yeah. so this is how we're going to respond. Yeah, and that. some of that develops over time. So the younger your kids are, you do kind of have a set discipline. But as they get older, you know, the sins are so nuanced. It's just, yeah. it's much deeper. It's much more talking. It's much more trying to read them and get to know their heart and where it's coming from. Yeah, our approach also changes once a kid makes a... Uh, profession of faith in mm-hmm. Jesus. Okay. Because yeah. then we're going to deal with them as a brother or sister in Christ. So it doesn't mean we won't discipline them because we still occupy that space, but we kind of want them to confess sin to Jesus. We, we want them to wrestle with what they've done. We want them to feel uh, the weight of it. So, you know, even just this morning, I was having a conversation with one of my kids. They had confessed some sin recently, and I had told them when they confessed it that, okay, I forgive you, but there may also be more hurt that comes out of this. And just today, I was saying, hey, here's one way that... If I'm honest, there's a new way you've hurt me, and I, I wasn't able to say it when you told me, but I'm able to say it now. And you know, we don't shy away from those kinds of conversations. Yeah. And, and again, because eventually I'm going to be replaced by a wife or a husband, mm-hmm. or a, and they're either going to learn these things or or, or they're not. And yeah. so, you know, we, we don't. I think that's one thing about our parenting styles: we talk a lot. We do talk a lot. <laughs> As you you probably listen to this podcast, thinking, yes, we're experiencing. We talk that. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of touched on this, but. In a lot of family structures, there's the primary disciplinarian and then there's the other parent. Do you guys have different roles in parenting? Do you guys both share certain roles? What does that look like in your family? Yeah, I wouldn't say we have different roles at all. I'm Because I stay at home, I definitely am around the kids more, so I do more of the discipline. But that's why it's so important that we're on the same page mm-hmm. because we've decided together and I'm not just like spur of the moment trying to come up with something and that wouldn't be good anyway, because I'd definitely be reacting <laughs> out of frustration. So, and when Zach's around, we're always disciplining together. I think we work so. to be on the same page. So yeah. we will often talk about things. Uh, our date nights are sometimes filled with <laughs> workshopping situations and how are we going to address this with each kid. Again, we don't view that as a burden. I mean, we view that as right. the task we've signed up for. It's and our privilege our and our so joy to, to care them. for our kids. So. Uh, but oftentimes, one of the things I really appreciate about Amy is being the spouse who goes to work is that she never does the wait till your dad gets home mm-hmm. thing, yeah. uh, which I really appreciate. She's always been very mindful of, she doesn't want dad coming home to be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. We always right? want it to be an exciting thing. <laughs> uh, but also on the flip side, I think there are times where I'm saying to her, let me yeah. deal with that, right? Like you, you know, she's saying, I've told them four or five times and I'm saying, okay, they're not hearing you. Let me uh, speak to them and even let me represent to them that this is not a mom thing, right? We're Mm -hmm. in this together. We agree Mm -hmm. uh, together on this. We are completely a team, so. 
So I know that you guys are fun just from my own personal experience. But, I, there, but we don't sound it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> what wow. in the world? Let me just clear that up. Wow. No, there might be uh, just this notion that if you have a highly structured home, that you yeah. don't have a fun home. Uh-huh. And so are you guys in, intentional about being fun? Are you just naturally fun? How do you incorporate fun into having a structured home with expectations? I think I would say in some ways, you're going to say this isn't true because uh, you're nice. <laughs> I don't know what you're about to say. I think in some ways I'm the structured one and Amy is the fun one. Okay. And I think one of the things <laughs> that true. <laughs> I think one of the things that works in our marriage is uh, we always say, this is not a marriage podcast, but we always say we feel like we both married up. Yeah. Hmm. And so because of that, we're able to lean into each other. Like the ways yeah. Amy is different than me, that's my joy. We I mean, appreciate that, each other's strengths. Yeah. And so I think she lets me bring some structure and, and, and you've, I mean, she's over 17 years of marriage. She could do that without me now. I mean, she's grown so much in that, but <laughs> I've grown so much. And, and then she pushes me to, I mean, like next Friday, right? A week from Friday, we're going apple picking and we're yeah. and like, she set all that up and she just tells me, take the day off of work. This is what That's we're doing. True. Right? I'm like the cruise director. Yeah. That's so we, okay. I, I think there's a collaboration where she recognizes the value that I can bring in some of the intentionality and, and I recognize the value she can bring in in fun. And that can sometimes mean colliding. And then we just, again, we talk a lot. So we work it out. We yeah. figure it out. On the flip side, though, because Zach brings so much structure to our family. So he came up with spending time, like rotating the kids, each taking turns with one of us each week. Because we have five kids. Right. And so we're not taking all of us out to dinner. But like we do it individually with each kid. So we get special time mm. with them, which is fun. But it's also really intentional. So because of the structure, we get that fun time away with the kids doing something really interesting and unique and fun. Um, but also it's structured because we have five kids yeah. and you have to have some kind of plan. <laughs> but it's interesting for me, most uh, men, and I always speak to men because I, I'm a, I am a man, so I, I don't know the other perspective, but uh, I, I see a lot of men who are movers and shakers in their company, right? And they apply none of those skills to mm. their home. Interesting. You know, so they're having strategy conversations. They're, if there's a problem at work, they come up with a strategy to solve it. But then at home, they're just on autopilot. Like I'll do what my mm-hmm. wife tells me to do and I'll, right? Versus, you know, I, I just see as when we're talking about, hey, we can't get through to this kid or we're, you, you know, I'm trying to apply the same skills that I would apply at church when something's not working to, to the family. And I, I think that serves well. Yeah. So we routinely have planning meetings. Yeah, uh, weekly. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, you know, we'll open a bottle of wine. If the weather's nice, we'll sit on the back deck. We'll, but... You know, we're trying to make it as fun as we can. That's but. structured and fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you got them both in there. That's yeah. right. <laughs> because you guys do have five kids that are in so many different stages and phases, how has your parenting style transformed over these last 15 years? Did you say your oldest is 15? Yeah. 14 almost. So almost 15, yeah. yeah. As a parent of a young child and being the first year – of parenting. Yeah. I can only imagine that in 14 years, my parenting style might look very different. When did this gospel-centered parenting really take place for you guys? That's an interesting question. So we actually started this before we had any kids. Okay, that was going to be my So question. we had read a book that had really influenced our thinking, and it was something that we hadn't heard before about like focusing on the heart. And so we came up with a whole... <laughs> we're not going to recommend that book. No, we're not. Okay. But okay. we had... Um, <laughs> there are some things that we wouldn't yeah. recommend. Yeah. No, but we had come up with the whole thing like on a drive home, this 16-hour drive to visit our parents at one point, where we were like, when we have kids, this is what we want to introduce. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to talk to them 
them about their sin. We're going to pray first to Jesus because that's who they sinned against first. Then we're going to ask them to apologize to us. And like that was, and we've done it ever since. So I think there's probably been some ways that things have transformed, but the gospel centeredness has not changed because we started the habit before we ever had kids. Yeah. And then we, I mean, we, I would say we are prodigious observers of yeah. other families and what they do that works. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like the thing about, uh, who does that belong to? That doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. We stole that from another family. Yeah. We we're like, oh, that was awesome. You know, that was like, that was great. So uh, I just think we're always looking for people who, one of the things I love about the church, just like capital C, is that it's one environment in which we are with people that are older and younger than us. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you just learn, you know, if you're paying attention and you look at families that you think, oh, I'd like to be like them. And you say, oh, what, are the, what, is, what is it that makes them them? And, you know, so I think, but then... I hate to keep saying this, but we just, we talk a lot. We do talk a lot. So if we're, you know, driving to go to a show at Playhouse Square, like the whole way there, we're talking about our kids. And it's not that we don't, we talk about other things too. Yeah. But again, we, we. We're very intentional. We like being parents. Mm -hmm. And and I think we lean into it in in that way. Yeah. And I think the thing about the church is really important that we have learned so much from other families that have gone before us things that we really like or even things that we're yeah. like, oh, I think we would do this differently so then we have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, this is going to seem off topic, but I was in exercise class and we were talking after exercise class about how we would never do that at home on our own, but we push each other because we're all together. And that's how the church is. Like if you are not regularly attending a church, then you're not being pushed by other believers that are ahead of you, behind you to see different ways of parenting, to talk about these things in your own family. And it's just, you need to be part of a church to grow and to push yourself because you won't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. So if you are a like new believer or maybe a family that hasn't incorporated this type of parenting, how would you say that someone would get started? Is it just like dive in, like full throttle? Is there a place that you would lean in first to kind of start this transition if this is going to be a radically different shift from the way you've parented? If you are that reactive parent, how do you make that shift well to being proactive? I think the first thing you would do is talk together. If there's two of you that you're both parenting, um, that you would come up with a plan, like what you're going to do and how you're going to approach it differently. But then I do think you sit down with your kids. So our kids are never surprised with what the outcome of their discipline is because we've talked to them about it beforehand. Mm -hmm. We always plan ahead. We always have discussions. This is what we're going to do. You've been struggling with this problem. So now this is going to be the discipline moving forward. This is what you need to expect. So nothing's Mm -hmm. a surprise, and it's not out of anger. Yeah, I would just try to find, I mean, you know, a couple of things. I mean, one is there are a lot of great resources out there that that you can uh, pursue. I think you do tend to become like the people you spend time with. So Mm -hmm. as painful as it would be, I would audit you know, who are we learning from uh, consciously or subconsciously? Um, I think counseling is really helpful if you have a difficult childhood to work through how much of your parenting is replicating or overcompensating for um, what you what you experience as a child. And then I, I just think you just own the messiness with your kids. Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to start parenting in, a, in the way we think Jesus wants us to. And we're going to mess it up and it's going to be weird and it's going to be, you know, but... We're going to do the best we can. I think kids are pretty forgiving Oh yeah, in that way. And even if this is like a change moving forward, your kids could be two or 10 and you could explain, hey, we realize the way we've been parenting. We haven't been focusing on Jesus, but now we want to. And that's an easy conversation to have and a very helpful conversation. Yeah, I think in some ways the starting point would be displaying the gospel in your own life by saying, here's what I've gotten wrong. Jesus has forgiven that. 
and now is calling me to something better than that. And I think sometimes the most teachable moments can be when you're showing your kids your own weaknesses. Absolutely. Zach, you mentioned that there are a lot of great resources. Can you tell us some of the resources that have, you have found helpful? Yeah, I think it's tricky. Uh, I know I said that, and it's true. But I think, uh, <laughs> We're hesitant to give... It's a, and it's okay if yeah. not. No, I, I think the tricky thing is just uh, when you recommend a resource mm-hmm. or an author or a book, you're not carte blanche uh, recommending every mm-hmm. aspect of, uh, of what the book says. Mm-hmm. So with that caveat... Uh, which is intentional. I mean, I think we would say we found resources from uh, Paul Tripp to be helpful, uh, Ted Tripp, slightly less than uh, Paul Tripp, uh, Elise Fitzpatrick. I'm trying to think of who else we, we've we read that we would say. Uh, are you? Am I leaving someone out? No, you're doing good. Yeah. And, you know, again, <laughs> most of these people all write from a counseling perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, I just think you got to recognize that um, when you bring a baby home or adopt a child into your home, you are basically engaging in an 18 or however long uh, year period of discipleship, of evangelism and discipleship. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, you got to ease off the throttle because you get a long time Mm -hmm. with them. No one conversation is the sum total of... But on the other hand, you you do need to engage in it to, to get it to get it moving and so sometimes the best resources are the ones that develop you you know get in a men's bible study get in a women's bible study uh join a circle you know take steps to become spiritually healthy yourself and the overflow of that is going to be in in how you parent but we really are convinced that jesus is king and wherever he's king things flourish mm-hmm. so the best thing we could do for our home is begin every conversation with what does jesus want mm-hmm. And we try to obviously show that in our own lives. So when we make mistakes, we are talking to that about our with our kids. Like we're talking about us and repenting to Jesus and asking them for forgiveness. Yep. And so hopefully we're modeling it in the same way that we're we're also disciplining them. As we kind of wrap up our time together today, if you could maybe summarize the most important thing you've learned as a parent since you've become parents that you know is a big a big takeaway that you want to make sure that everyone is hearing, um, what would you say? Hmm. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, I, mean, I think the there's so many things you could say, but I think the biggest thing to say would be that we have come to believe that our task in parenting is to build a resume. Uh, for God with our kids. You know, uh, and that resume is built from a variety of ways, obviously from the scriptures and the story of God's faithfulness, primarily through Jesus, uh, but even in our own family, acknowledging the goodness of God, the, the mercy of God, the provision of God with our kids, because we're kind of consistently calling them to not trust themselves, but to trust God in the midst of a culture that says the absolute Mm -hmm. essential thing to do is to trust yourself. So over time, if we don't build that resume, then uh, God will not have won their trust, right? Because you give trust where you think it's due. Mm -hmm. And so I I think it's really important. Even, you know, one of my favorite stories is, and I won't tell the whole story here, but is when we were moving from Cleveland to Hudson. Yeah. And, you know, we we went through our whole story as a family with the kids and all the ways God had shown up and all the ways that... And we had in, written it all down, which was... Amazing. And in the end, we, we, we started at the very beginning of that. At the very end, we put on, you know, something new that God wants us. Then we got to something new. We said, hey, before we even tell you what the something new is, what do we know about God? And it was just cool to hear them say, he really loves us. Yeah, we He's can always, trust him. They even said he he calls us to do really hard things as a yeah. family, but he always comes through. And and then we were able to say, okay, well, 
he's doing that again. You, you know, it's just the same. And they were like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's... Uh, so it was just, again, cashing in on the resume. It's not just building it, but from time to time saying, hey, everything we've taught you, this is a thing. It's just been really, really good for the kids. For me, I would say that there are no perfect parents, mm-hmm. but there's a perfect Savior. Mm. So if you're always pointing to the perfect Savior, then you can glorify Jesus in whatever you do in your mistakes. <laughs> you're never going to do everything cor- mm-hmm. correctly, right? Everything's not going to be perfect. But admitting it and modeling it and being intentional would be my next thing. But definitely that there are no perfect parents. Yeah. I might just add, too, that I hope this has come through in the time we've had that uh, a healthy marriage is a really yeah. important mm-hmm. launching of I mean, Amy and I love yeah. each other very much. And it is easy to love each, each other. I mean, we, yes. we, we see the good in each other. <laughs> But also it takes work. And and we have never, as intentional as we are about parenting, we are also um, equally intentional with each yes, other. absolutely. And I, I think so we feel like partners. We, we pick up the slack of the other person. We encourage the other person, challenge the other person. And that, that's really important. Yeah. So maybe overall we're talking about being intentional in your life and focusing on Jesus. <laughs> yeah, nothing, hap- nothing good happens by accident. Nope. Well, Zach and Amy, thank you so much for spending this time with us and offering a lens into your precious family. Um, We appreciate your honesty and openness and transparency, and I feel like I learned a lot. Me too. Just in this time with you. (laughs) I'm taking notes of things I'm going to go home and do. Um, This has been Parenting for the Everyday, and tune in next time.